Hello. Good morning. See, that means I'm talking to you and I'm expecting a response. That's how that, that comment usually works. So, good morning. Ah, see? Isn't that better? Now I feel better, and since I feel better, you might get a better sermon. Maybe. All right? But if I just felt like, man, these people don't even want to listen to me. All right. But I'm turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, uh, verse 1 through 10, and we'll just get going right away. <coughs> and uh, we're continuing our sermon series where we follow Jesus to the cross and through his resurrection. Okay, so uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. As you flip there, oh, I'm pretty tired and sore. Uh, yesterday, I went paintballing with a couple of our church members, and yeah, it's 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 scary. I learned in paintball that I probably got shot by my own team more than the other team. <laughs> so play with people you know, right? That makes a big difference. But uh, Matthew chapter 27 has nothing to do with anything, uh, and we're gonna read verses one through ten. <clears throat> This is what it says. Uh, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is, this, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. <clears throat> but the chief priests, <clears throat> taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought with them, uh, bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Uh, therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Uh, There was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, uh, saying, and they took the silver pieces of silver, or they took the 30 pieces of silver, uh, the price uh, of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Okay. Um, Today we're going to talk about um, the topic of guilt. Okay. And, um, uh, I think this is a very important topic to talk about. Um, I know a lot of times in our church we talk about, um, you know, the gospel, or we always talk about the gospel, and a lot of times uh, next to that we put guilt, right? And we compare guilt and the gospel and how uh, guilt is like this thing and, and you know, we've got to avoid that, but this gospel is this thing that we need. Uh, so I think it's a good, good, um, it's a good idea to talk about guilt a little bit more and, and kind of, um, you know, um, I guess look at it for what it is and kind of just uh, spend, a, a, you know, a, a couple minutes just kind of thinking about, like, what is this guilt thing that we're really talking about when we uh, put it next to the gospel and, and uh, you know, what are we doing with that? Okay, so um, uh, I, I found this quote, or I guess some, it's not a quote, but it's someone writing. Um, there was a, an article um, that this, uh, this uh, columnist wrote, and it was called, um, What's a Nice Christian Girl to Do? Okay, and and uh, it's just this article about this. Or she was just writing about how she was a Christian, and 
um, you know, the different ways in which she lives her life and the decisions that she makes. And, and below that, you know, on the Internet, there's always like a million different comments. And, you know, some of the comments will be like, Christians are stupid. And then there'll be other comments. And then there'll be like people yelling at other people. Okay, but in the mix of all these hundreds of comments, there's this one comment. And uh, let me read it to you. <clears throat> okay, and it said, it said this. Uh, it says, now, I now understand that Christianity is founded on the tenet that we are all guilty. Okay, this injected an extremely unhealthy sense of shame and guilt into my life. This meant that I would stay awake miserably asking for forgiveness for things like lusting over guys in my teenage years. Uh, this has scarred me beyond belief, and though I now have no connection whatsoever to Christianity, the intrinsic sense of guilt that fuels and justifies Christianity still haunts me, and I am dealing with it every day. Uh, my main problem is that it is a religion based on the fact that we, have, we are intrinsically bad and guilty and that we have deep shame that by accepting a Father and Savior we can purge. Uh, that sounds extremely dismal and very, very wrong. Okay, so, and this is uh, this one girl's opinion of Christianity and her experience growing up in it. Okay, and, and I think for many people, all right, we don't necessarily verbalize it this way, but for a lot of people that aren't Christians outside the church, a lot of times they look at Christianity and say, and think, this is exactly what Christianity is. Right? It's just something to make you feel bad, and you know, you got to follow these rules. If you don't follow these rules, you got to do like this confession stuff, and you got to pray and ask for forgiveness until and you got to just feel bad about things. All right? Um, I don't know. I was reading another article where um, this person was uh, talking about their experience growing up in the church, and she's like. You know, to me, sin was like, you've got to feel bad, and the more you feel bad, the better Christian you are. Okay? The, the, the worse you feel about yourself after you did something bad, the better of a Christian you are. Okay? And a lot of times, you know, that is the experience of people growing up in the church. Okay? So uh, for the people outside the church, they look at that and they say, you know, that, you know they kind of, in their minds, think that's kind of what Christianity is, just a bunch of rules. When you break them, you've got to feel bad, and the more you feel bad, the better of a Christian you are. Okay, people inside the church, again, we don't necessarily verbalize it, but a lot of times this is kind of the way we operate. Okay, wh- whether we, um, you know, um, say differently, you know, we, we might say, you know, no, 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 that's not the way Christianity is. But a lot of times we actually live like this, right? We actually live thinking, um, you know, Christianity is all about guilt and, you know, we need a Savior and, you know. And, and although parts of this are true, it's, it's kind of like mixed and, and there's a lot of lies and, and and misunderstandings in what she wrote. Okay, it's, it's, she thinks you know it sounds extremely dismal and it's very very wrong. Okay, um, but um, so uh, you know I want to talk about this guilt, all right, and, and what it is and, and where it comes from, sort of, and, and how we work with it. Okay, and we're going to use the life of Judas. Okay, so if I were to give you a general outline of what we're going to talk about today, we'll, we'll talk about guilt in general. Okay, we'll talk about the guilt in Judas's life that we just read in the passage, and how Jesus defeats guilt. Okay, so uh, why don't we pray before we go any further? Okay, why don't we pray before we go further? Right? Otherwise, some of us might feel guilty, right? Like, we can't not pray and go into a sermon, right? It's like totally guilt. All right, so let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you that we can come before you um, uh, uh, as sons and daughters because of your cross, uh, because of Jesus. And uh, God, we pray that... Uh, you might teach us of uh, the freedom that we have through you. Um, we uh, pray that you would open all of our eyes and ears uh, to see um, 
the goodness of the gospel uh, and uh, see uh, the grace that is taught through the gospel. Um, So, God, please uh, be here and be glorified and uh, be exalted. Uh, And, uh, God, we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Okay, so let me talk about guilt in general. Uh, first of all, let me just define it so we're kind of all on the same page. Okay, um, uh, guilt. Right? There's there's a lot of definitions of guilt. All right, um, as I was kind of like you know searching different articles online and reading different dictionaries, I was like, there's as many definitions of guilt as there are people writing about it. Okay, so um, I found one pretty simple definition uh, that might help us kind of like think about it and, and kind of talk about guilt. And, and I, I want to compare guilt to shame, so we kind of. Uh, see what the difference is. Okay, so first of all, guilt, very simply, um, as, as I want to talk about today, is regret and responsibility for one's actions. Okay, so when I'm talking about guilt, it's regret and responsibilities for one's actions. Okay, and shame, okay, shame is very similar, and a lot of the definitions overlap, uh, and a lot of times, you know, guilt and shame come together. But shame is uh, the painful feeling about oneself as a person. Okay, the painful feeling about oneself as a person. Okay, so um, to help you understand this better, okay, so if I were taking an exam, okay, and I cheated on this exam, right, I would feel guilty that I cheated on the exam, right, for my action, right, and then I would also probably feel shame as a person, like how could I do that? Okay, so that's kind of the difference between the two. Okay, so a a lot of times guilt and shame come together. Okay, uh, rarely there's a person that might be shameful about some, you know, themselves but not feel guilty, but that's kind of like a strange case. But for the most part, uh, these two come as a package. Okay, so guilt, uh, regret and responsibility for one's action, shame, the painful feeling about oneself as a person. Okay, and then I'll kind of use them interchangeably, right, and, uh, you know, they'll just kind of be one big thing we'll talk about together. Okay, when you think about guilt as um, maybe using more adjectives, right, this is the extent of my vocabulary in English language, okay? Adjective, right? Um, like, it, it, it feels heavy. Right? A lot of times when you feel guilty about something, it's, just, it's like a weight on you, right? Um, and, you know, when I think about guilt in, in my life, I feel like um, it's like a slow torture to me. Right? When I feel guilt, it's like a slow torture, and I feel like I'm just carrying this weight on my shoulders. Okay? When I think about that, um, I, I, like, I still remember like it's yesterday, okay? This time when I was in high school, which is actually a long time ago. But when I was in high school, I, I, I can remember everything about it. Okay, I was sitting at this lunch table like you do in high school, um, and, uh, and I was sitting with uh, a friend of mine and a couple other friends, and we're just all talking. Okay, and, and there's this one guy, um, his, his, you know, I'll just call him Bob. His name is Bob, okay? and, and he was like one of those. You know how like in high school there's always those guys that are just trying to be so hard and tough? Right, or they're like trying to be gangster wannabes, or you know, there's just something about them. They're just trying so hard to like project this image of I'm so cool and tough, right? There's this one guy, okay, and I was sitting next to his brother, okay. So I was talking to him, and we were just conversing, and I was like, yeah, your brother, he's such a, you know, he's such he's such a wannabe, such a dweeb. He's like just always trying to be so tough, and like you know, blah 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 blah. And we're talking, right? And we're just you know having the normal high school conversation, and then I turn around. And what do you know? There he is. <laughs> right? And, and it's not like he was my enemy or we didn't get along. We, like, we were actually friends. Like, we hung out once in a while. You know, we, we'd do things together once in a while. So, like, I totally betrayed my friend with his brother. Okay? And, I'll, like, to this day, I still feel, like, guilty about it. 
Like, if there's, like, whenever you talk about guilt, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like, man, I feel, how could I do that? You know, and it's like, I, feel, I still to this day, I feel this weight on my shoulders. Like, like should I, you know, to this day, I'm like, should I email him and, like, apologize? Like, what should I do? Because, like, like, years later, you know, um, as he changed and I changed, like, you know, we got together and we hung out and everything's good and we just loved each other. And, you know, so all, all you know, I, like, in my mind, everything's good. You know, and it was, you know, because he, like, even he recognized that he was kind of like a dork, and, like, not a dork, but like he was trying too hard, right, back then. So, like, you know, we, we all, you know, made things good. But I still feel guilty, right, which is the way guilt is. Like, it, it doesn't come off easily. It's just, it's just, it just sits there, okay? And to me, it's just, it just tortures me slowly, okay? Even, even in a case, like, that's so silly like that, right, um, that, that it, it's, it's just, that's the way guilt is. And I'm sure many of us can think of an experience like that in our own lives. Okay, so um, let's talk about guilt a little bit more generally. Okay, um, there are many ways to categorize types of guilt. Okay, so I was, I was trying to like pin a lot of times like when I'm when you're like like I give sermons like once every month or two months or so. Okay, so like I get into a topic and then I feel like. Like, I'm diving into the ocean. There's, like, all this information. And, like, what do I do with it, right? And all I can bring you back is, like, a cup of water. Okay, so, like, like it's hard for me. I've like, got to, like, distill all this stuff down. Okay, so there's so many different ways that people categorize guilt as you look into it. Okay, um, uh, one way, I'm going to give you uh, three examples of how people categorize guilt. One way is people say there's healthy guilt, there's unhealthy guilt, and there's false guilt. Okay, and then they talk about all these different, uh, you know, associations with that. And basically all they mean by that is, uh, or say by that, is not all guilt is bad guilt. Right? A lot of times, you know, when we make an association in the church, you say guilt, automatically bad, 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 you know, guilt, bad. Okay, so, but not all guilt is bad. Okay, there's, there's a very healthy guilt, right? And, and in general, uh, guilt is healthy. Um, one person wrote, a healthy guilt is a gatekeeper and a boundary maker. It helps us discover where we shouldn't go in life, uh, what we shouldn't do. And it helps us make amends when we do cause others pain and related hardships. Uh, guilt helps us find our way back towards what's right and repair torn parts of our lives. Okay, so when we recognize guilt in that aspect, you know, we can say you know, guilt is a good thing. You know, if, if we didn't have guilt in our society, this, man, this place would be a mess. All right? It would be like, a thousand times worse than it is. Okay, so there is a healthy guilt. Okay, there's an unhealthy guilt, right, and this appears in a lot of different ways. Right, as this author was writing, uh, the unhealthy guilt can be, uh, you know, like how, if you deal with it incorrectly and, and you just let it pound on you forever, like kind of like uh, what I did with my friend. Like it's just it's just on my mind, on my back always, and it's just kind of unhealthy. Okay, there's false guilt, right? It's meaning uh, there's guilt where you're not really even doing anything wrong, but you feel bad about something. Right, so that's one person's categories. Okay, another person's categories. Uh, he broke it up into guilt is something you do. Right, so if you cheat on a test, you're guilty. Or guilt can be something you didn't do but you want to do. Right, I want to cheat on this test. Man, I feel so bad about wanting to cheat on the test. Okay, or guilt can be something you think you did. Right? Like the other day, I was driving down the street, and then there was a little chihuahua crossing the road. And I was like, brakes! Okay? And then I didn't see it because it was like right, I couldn't see it, like, you know, because it was like right under, like the, close to the front of my car. I was like, did I run it over? Did I run it over? Did I run it over? 
if I ran it over, this is so bad, you know, because I'm a dog owner. I'm like, I can't run over another dog. What am I going to tell to my dog at home? It's like, this is, this is terrible, right? So, like, even something I don't even know if I did or not, something I think I did, I could feel guilty about, okay? And there's categories of, you know, uh, guilt. Maybe guilt is something that you didn't do enough. Like, um, you know, you might be helping someone or, or you see someone, you're driving down the street and there's someone outside and you give them a dollar and it's like, man, I don't know if I did enough, right? And you might feel guilty because you don't do enough, right? Or there's guilt where um, maybe you're just above, you're better than someone and you feel guilty that you're in a position that's higher than someone, right? You might feel guilty, like, why am I driving this nice car when this guy is out there, you know, begging for money and I feel so bad about myself? Like, guilt is crazy, right? There's like all these aspects of it. Another person uh, looked at guilt in these two categories. He just said, uh, in one side, guilt is something you place upon yourself, right? Uh, you know, you just you look at something you did and you place it upon yourself. But then there's a whole other category of guilt where guilt is something that someone can place on you, right? If I was like, Justin, are you listening? Right? You're not listening, are you? Then, like, he might feel guilty, and it's, it's like something that's totally outside of himself. He didn't ask for it. He didn't do something. But, you know, someone else is thinking he did something, right? Like when I was a little kid, and I, I used to be a bad kid in church, and I'd run around and do all kinds of bad stuff and ditch classes and throw glass off the church and do all kinds of stuff, right? So, like, when we were at a retreat once, there was this other kid, and he pulled the fire alarm, and they thought it was really funny, but then he blamed me. He's like, Joe did it. I was like, I didn't do it. I was like, I did a lot of different stuff. I set fires and, you know, <laughs> shot fire extinguishers all over the place, but I didn't pull the fire alarm, right? So, like, but then, like, you know, someone else accusing me, like, you know, and everyone believed them because I was not so good a person, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy, okay? So guilt is like this really weird, strange, pervasive thing that uh, works in all different types of ways, okay? Um, so... Um, uh, one other thing uh, that I want you to recognize when we talk about guilt is um, guilt is one of those, uh, it's also one of those universal experiences of human, ex- human existence. Okay, when you talk about guilt, you know, it's, it's just, you feel like just about everyone deals with guilt in their lives, right, in one way, form, or another. Okay, if someone does not experience guilt, right, um, they are either perfect, right, they're either Jesus, or they need to be locked up. They're, they're like a crazy person. Okay? You know, like a couple of years ago, uh, there was that Norwegian gunman that, um, you know, went onto that island for that youth retreat and killed like 85 kids, right? And, and like during the trials, he didn't feel guilty at all. He was like, I'm doing the – and he was proud of what he did and he was smiling during the court cases. And like, man, those people need to be locked up, right? They're not normal. Right? They're, they're some, there's something wrong in their head if, if they don't feel guilt. Okay, so um, – Guilt is one of those universal experiences of human existence, okay? And when you think about that, right, when you think about the guilt is something that everyone experiences, um, you know, you should recognize that that tells us something about the human experience, okay? And, and one thing that, you know, uh, I'll kind of flesh out later, but just kind of think about now is um, humans or people always seek atonement, okay? And, and if you don't know what atonement means, maybe very simply, they, they just they want to make something that's wrong right. Okay, like every person in their heart seeks atonement in some way, shape, or form. Okay, it's, it's part of the human condition. It's part of who we are. It's like just, just being a human, right, living in the sinful world that we live in. Right, we want things to be right. Okay, otherwise, we'd live in a guilt-free society, and it would be 
really messed up. Okay, uh, people would kill, steal, murder, and not feel bad at all. Okay, so um, thinking about all these different categories. Okay, needless to say, uh, in this uh, you know 20, 30 minutes that we have left, uh, we won't be able to talk about every type of guilt. Okay, but uh, let's look at the case of Judas. Right, and and let's just look at one type of guilt. Right, and uh, maybe we can generalize from that and kind of see where that goes. Okay, so let's look at Judas's life. Let's look at Judas's life. Okay, um, and to me, Judas is a very interesting character. Right? When you think about Judas, right, what, what do you think about in your mind when you think about Judas? Right, whisper in your head for a second. Judas. Right? A lot of times in my mind, I just think Judas is just the guy that betrayed Jesus. Right? That's it. Right? He's the guy that betrayed Jesus. But um, Judas has actually like a very peculiar character in the Bible. Right? Like if you think about like all the details and information that we have about Judas, He's a very strange guy, and he's worthy of like, he's worthy of like a like a Discovery Channel special or something like a like a History Channel special. Like, um, you know, it's like it's to me like when I was thinking about like uh, as I was studying Judas's life, it's kind of like, you know, um, a lot of times uh, um, I used to watch on TV like, you know, the world's worst bridge disaster, right? Or, or like, you know, I love those shows that like, you know, like the, the oil rig that burst up in the flame and then they talk about like what went wrong or like the Titanic and like they, you know, show all this information. It's like Judas is exactly one of those cases. It's like one of those things that should have gone right and everything was, you know, seemed like it should have worked well, but it just ended up in flaming disaster, right? And like, why did that happen, right? So it's like when you think about Judas, you got to think of him as a character like that. It's like, Everything, like he hung out with Jesus, he spent time with Jesus, he saw all the miracles, he heard all the teachings, he did all this stuff, and, but then for some reason, everything went wrong. Okay, for some reason, everything went wrong. Okay, so, um, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's not like, you know, um, you know, at the Lord's Supper when, uh, you know, Jesus was saying, someone's going to betray me, right? Everyone's like, it's Judas, right? Judas, he's the bad one, right? No one knew. All the disciples were like, is it me? Is it me? Who's going to do it? Right? They, they weren't all pointing their fingers at Judas, looking at him like, he's, it's obviously Judas. Come on. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Okay, you don't, don't, skip the bread part, Jesus. Don't even dip this, you know, give it. Everyone knows. Okay, it wasn't like that at all. Okay, nobody knew. Right? Nobody knew. So even among those people that lived together for three years and they were so close, they did everything together, they couldn't even recognize Judas as one that was going to betray Jesus. Okay, so he's a very peculiar character, very interesting. Okay, so let's look at Judas' life. Okay, uh, let's read uh, verse three, 3, 4, and 5 again. Okay, that's the heart of what we'll talk about. It says, uh, Then when Judas, uh, his betrayer, saw what Jesus, w- uh, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the 30 pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hung himself, or he hanged himself. Okay, so uh, let me break up Judas's guilt into three different stages. Okay, let me break it up into three different stages. Okay, the first stage of Judas's guilt is his recognition of it. Okay? Um, uh, there, there's a lot of different, um, you know, reasons why, um, or there's a lot of pe- reasons, people write about a lot of different reasons why Judas did what he did, okay? It's almost like when you start getting into that kind of 
um, area of reading and study, it, it feels like it's just like fan fiction. Like just people start making up stuff about why Judas did what he did. Okay, uh, all we know uh, as far as what the Bible says is, you know, Judas liked to have his money and or liked to have his hand in the money purse, and he'd steal money, and he loved money. Okay, so we'll just go on that. Uh, and uh, so he traded Jesus's life for money because that's that's what he loved. Okay, but afterwards, when he saw what happened, okay, the, the script, the passage says, when he saw what happened, okay, then he recognized his guilt. Okay, and that's many times the way it is with guilt, or many times it is the way with sin. Right? We do something we think is small or, or insignificant, right? but when we see the results of it, right, then we understand the repercussions of it. Okay, so I'm talking to my buddy at lunch in high school, and I feel like I'm doing something small. It probably wouldn't hurt anyone. Okay, but as soon as it all comes to light, all right, then I feel the guilt. I feel the weight of the sin upon me. Okay, and um, you know when Judas was doing all this, you know he probably wasn't thinking in his mind. Right? This is just my you know own assumptions of what's going on. But he probably wasn't thinking in his mind. You know, after I turn Jesus over, you know they're going to kill him, and there's nothing he's going to do. He's just going to die, right? And the reason I say that is because he's pro- he's seen Jesus. You know when he's in his own hometown, and all the people want to kill him and stone him, he just like walks away. He just, he's like a ninja, right? He just walks away and just goes poof, and then he's gone, okay? And, and he, just, he, can, he just does this amazing stuff all the time. So he's probably not assuming, like, yeah, they're going to capture him and they're going to kill him. They're probably, he's just probably saying, I'm just going to get some money. They're going to capture him. He's going to say something, and they're all going to be like, whoa, right? And he's just going to walk away because that's what normally happens, right? What normally hap- that's what normally happens. He just says something or does some kind of miracle, and then he walks away. Okay, like, you know, at the Garden of Gethsemane, the dude cuts off his ear. All right, Jesus fixes it, and they're all going to let him go. And I just get 30 pieces of silver, and everyone's happy. Right, this is probably what's in his mind, okay, because that's what happens all the time. Okay, so, uh, but when all this stuff starts to turn, okay, and it's not going the way he probably thought it would, all right, then he feels this weight, okay, this very heavy weight, because uh, someone that he knows very personally and dearly is going to die now because of what he did. Okay, so that's the first stage, uh, recognition. Secondly, right, the second thing that Judas does is he tries to self-atone, okay, or, or he tries to make things right by himself. Okay, so uh, as we look at the passage, it says uh, Judas took the silver, all right, went back to the chief priests and said, you know, this, this is not right. Like what I did was not right, right? Jesus you shouldn't have arrested him, and, 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 and the chief priests are like, you know, well, that's, what's that to us? Okay, so Judas tries to go back, and he tries to make right what he did wrong. Okay, and, and partially, that is the right thing to do, or very much so it is the right thing to do. Okay, that is what he should do, right? Go back, apologize, say I'm sorry, try to make things right. Okay, that's, that's a proper um, path from guilt. Okay, and... and um, a lot of times, you know, when we think about this self-atonement thing, right, it is really uh, what we got to recognize is the weight of guilt usually causes us to do whatever we can to make it go away. Okay, and this is kind of what Judas is doing. He's doing whatever I can do to make this feeling go away, I want to do this because this is too much. Okay, whatever we do. Okay, so the second stage, self-atonement is where, you know, we want this to go away. So um, the third point, right, the third stage is hopelessness. 
Okay, so after Judas runs to the temple, throws the change back, tries to make things right by himself, all right, he is hopeless at this point. He has no one to turn to. Right? All the disciples probably hate him. Right? He probably thinks in his mind that Jesus hates him. Right? And he has no one to go to. He's totally by himself. He probably goes through this deep depression. Right? And in Judas's mind, his only relief from this guilt is to take his own life. Okay? In his mind, the only relief from this guilt is to take his own mind. Right? He probably thought he was, again, unforgivable by Jesus, unforgivable by the disciples. Right? He was just used by the priests. The priests don't even care about him. He had nowhere to go. Okay? Uh, when we look at these three stages of Judas's guilt, right, a lot of times right, that same, we can find that same guilt pattern in our own lives. Okay? A lot of times that same pattern uh, is evident in our own lives. Okay? So uh, for us, right, uh, you know, aside from the part where we try to kill ourselves, okay? but a lot of times okay, uh, that's the same thing. Um, uh, first of all, a lot of times, you know, um, I gossiped or some of us cheat, some of us lie, some of us lust, some of us have too much pride, some of us are greedy and it causes us to do certain things, some of us are just flat out lazy, okay? Uh, we see the repercussions of this, all right, and we try to self-atone, okay? And this happens in all kinds of different ways, okay? When we're talking outside the church, outside the church, uh, you know, people that aren't Christians, they do all kinds of things to make up for, uh, you know, some of the stuff they feel guilty about. You know, they join Greenpeace. They, uh, you know, give money to the poor. They do, uh, you know, they work in soup kitchens. They do, they do all kinds of different things to try to make things right in their own minds. Okay? When we're in the church, uh, we do a whole different set of things. You know, like we might feel bad about uh, something we did, and, and so we'll, we'll go to church. Like, I haven't been to church for so long, and I just, I'm just going to go to church this Sunday, and, you know, that, that's going to hopefully make me feel a little bit better about myself. Right? Or we try to pray, right? and, and we use prayer not as what it is, but something at, like, of ourself. And we're like, you know, I'm just, if I pray, then I'm going to feel better about myself. Right? And if I just pray hard you know, for like three minutes instead of like 30 seconds, then, then you know, it's, it's, you know, it's all good then. Right? It's all good. Um, or, um, uh, you know, and, and we, do, we do stuff like that. Right? We pray, we go to church, you know, if we, if we feel bad about ourselves, like, you know, the example I was talking about earlier, it's like we feel bad about ourselves, and if we just sit there and we just sit in our room and we just feel bad about ourselves, you know, for like an hour or two, then, you know, eventually it's going to work itself out, and, you know, I'm going to feel good about myself again. This is, this is, I just, I just got to feel bad. Right? I had a friend of mine um, when I was uh, uh, serving as a, uh, a college pastor, um, and he used to tell me, he's like, I love those sermons where I feel like crap at the end. It's like, I just, I just want the pastor to yell at me and make me feel like crap. Right? He's like, I love that. And he didn't say, I love the gospel. I love when Jesus comes and says, he said, I love when I feel like crap. Right? What does that say? He, he's, trying to self, he's trying to make himself feel so bad that he can, you know, it's like something happens in his mind where it's like, okay, I suffered enough. And now I can go on. I've suffered enough, so now I can go on. Right? It's, it's a very backwards kind of thinking. Right? But it's common. It's like whether we verbalize it or not, it's common. Right? We, we like live or like, you know, work through that pattern. Okay, so um, again, uh, you know, often we gossip, cheat, lie, lust, pride, greed, laziness, whatever you want to call it, or do. Right? And uh, we self-atone right? uh, through a lot of different means. Right? And uh, if that doesn't work, a lot of times we fall into hopelessness as well. 
hopelessness, despair, uh, depression, sadness. A lot, I've, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people uh, leave the church because Christianity, this is when Christianity breaks. It doesn't work. You know, like, they, these are the people a lot of times like, I try Christianity, it doesn't work. Right? And this is kind of like what's happening. Right? Is, I've tried this, I've tried. They self-atone thinking it is you know, accepting Jesus, but it's, it's not. And it breaks and it doesn't work. Right? And they're just left with hopelessness, despair, depression, sadness. Right? And some of these people leave the church. Some of these people um, you know, just drown it out. Right? You know, some people just watch TV. Some people eat ice cream. Some people you know, drink alcohol. Some people just go out with their friends. Some people play video games for hours on it. Okay? But they do something to drown out this noise. Okay? Uh, and that is oftentimes, again, the pattern of guilt, right? just like Judas. Right? Just like Judas. Okay, and, and again, uh, you know, I'm not saying self-atonement, like, you know, we shouldn't pray. And we should, it's, it's partially the right thing to do. You know, it's like, again, guilt is the, 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 the you know, the, it makes society normal. Like, it's, it's part of God put that in us so, you know, we correct our, you know, we correct ourselves and, you know, become better people. So it is parsh, partially right, okay? Uh, but there's, there's, there's no completion of freedom in it. There's no completion of freedom in it. And uh, this is where uh, Jesus, Jesus frees the guilty. Okay? Uh, freedom is only found in Jesus on the cross. Okay? The cross is the act by which Jesus takes all of our guilt and shame right, upon himself right, and pays the price for all those things that we cannot pay for. Okay? Um, we cannot be our own atonement. And, and I'm going to say like, I say it very forcefully. Without saying it forcefully, I say it very forcefully. Okay, we cannot be our own atonement. Right? We cannot. Okay, even if it's something small. Right? Even if it's something small. Even if I'm like, um, you know, like Walter, your shoes are ugly. Right? Like, I'm, and then like a little later, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Right? Like in that whole scenario right there, it might be like. Joe just self-atoned and everything's got good, and he doesn't need God in this picture. All right, God doesn't need to be a part of this, okay? But, but you got to understand sin in the reality of what it is in the big picture, okay? Um, we cannot be on our own, and, and this is what I'm saying through that, okay? Um, uh, let me explain it like this, okay? Um, a couple weeks ago, Dennis Rodman, okay, some of you guys are actually too young to know who Dennis Rodman is, but Dennis Rodman is a basketball player, okay? A lot, all of you will know who Michael Jordan is, Okay, and Dennis Rodman played with him, and he won a lot of championships with the Chicago Bulls. Okay, and Dennis Rodman was uh, kind of like one of those bad boys of basketball. He had a lot of off-court, uh, you know, uh, little episodes, and uh, you know, he married Carmen Electra, and he did like he he's just, he just did all this wild stuff, and he always says says the wrong things, and he just he, overall he's just like one of those people like you know you picture as like poorly, like you know like. If you picture people from the Jersey Shore, you're like trash, right? Uh, you picture Dennis Rodman, you think trash, okay? That's what you're supposed to think when you see Dennis Rodman, okay? And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, if you follow the news, he went to North Korea, right? He went to North Korea with, uh, I think it was the Harlem Globetrotters, and he uh, watched an exhibition game with Kim Jong-un, right? The current president, leader, ruler of North Korea, okay? And, and... The whole world basically was like, like, what is he doing, right? 
all the news outlets and, you know, Pierce Morgan. Like everyone was talking about what Dennis Rodman did and, and how he shouldn't have done that and, and how it was wrong and why and why and why. And, and they were, like, going on and on, and there were pictures of Dennis Rodman, like, high-fiving Kim Jong-un. It's like, like, this is bizarre and crazy, okay? Like, what's the problem with all that? Okay, why do all these people have this problem? Okay, because um, Dennis Rodman, okay, Dennis Rodman, in his mind and his thinking, he goes there as his own person, and he thinks he doesn't represent. He's just Dennis Rodman. He's doing what he wants to do, okay. And what everyone else thinks doesn't matter. He doesn't give a care, okay. But the reality of Dennis Rodman is he represents the Chicago Bulls, okay. But whether he likes it or not, he represents the United States of America. Right? Which is why all the news, I was like, how could he be doing this? What is he doing? Like, he can't just be going to North Korea on a, like, on a whim and just, like, hanging out with Kim Jong-un and just partying with him and, and watching basketball. You can't do that. Right? Why? Because whether Dennis likes it or not, he represents America. Right? But he represents more than that, whether he likes it or not. Right? We, like, this trash, right, in our minds, trash represents more than America. Right? Because if he did something bad there, if he punched him in the face, all right, who else would have felt repercussions? Probably South Korea. Right? Probably South, in some crazy way, South Korea probably would have felt repercussions because of what Dennis Rodman did. Okay? So Dennis Rodman actually represents South Korea as well as probably all of you know, the free, normal, working world. Okay? So here's this guy, whether he likes it or not, because of who he is, because of where he was born, because of what he does, you know, just, just his life in general, you know, a lot of it, not even choices that he made, uh, he's representative of all these different things that are going on. Okay, and if Dennis Rodman had done something terrible there, right, luckily he didn't do anything terrible, right, but if he had done something, right, then the United States would have had to, you know, come in, right, and, and all these different powers would have had to come in on his behalf because of who he is. Okay, here's Dennis Rodman just thinking, you know, I'm just Dennis. I'm just doing what I want to do. Right? I'm just going to North Korea. Right? That, that's all he's doing. Okay? Uh, why am I telling you this? Okay? Um, the reason I'm telling you this is because when I insult Walter, I'm like, your shoes are ugly. Okay, whether I like it or not, right, this isn't just between us. Okay? This is between God and us. Right? God is also a part of it. Not because I'm a Christian, right? but because I bear the image of God. Right? All humans bear the image of God. Right? So whenever someone sins or does something wrong, we are representative of God. Okay, so hopefully this is making sense to you. Let me just say it slow. Okay? We are all bearing the image of God, so when we do something wrong, right? We are representatives of God. We're just like Dennis. Right? If we do something wrong, then God is involved. Right? When I insult Walter because he's an image bearer, I'm in, and we're sin, you know, God is involved in this. It's not just a simple me and Walter, we work this out and everything's good. Right? Worldly-wise, it is. Okay? But when we look at the big picture of all the universe, God included, right? then there's a big, big, big like, you know, bad thing happening there. That's the best word I could come up with. Bad thing, all right? There's a bad thing happening, right? And it's not just this simple, 
Um, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, part, half of it is that, I'm sorry, but God also is overlooking this situation. Okay? So essentially what I'm saying is um, we cannot be our own attainment, atonement, right? Jesus, you know, being our own safe, like feeling bad, doing what we can, that is not enough. It is never enough, right? No matter what the situation is, right? And, and a lot of times when we're actually doing that, right, when, we're, when, when we do all those things we talked about, you know, we feel bad, you know, we try to pray longer or we go to church this Sunday, all those things, you know, what they're essentially saying when we do those things is we're saying, Jesus, your work on the cross is not good enough for the payment of my sin. I need to do a little bit more. Okay? Uh, Like when we try to do those things, we're saying, Jesus, your work on the cross is not good enough for my sin. I need to spend another hour feeling bad about myself before this is okay with me. Okay? Do you you recognize how sinful that is? Like how like twisted and bizarre that is? Okay? Jesus, your work isn't good enough. I need a little bit of my own self in this. And I need to repent a little bit longer until I feel better. I need to feel like crap and I need to go to Sunday and, and Joe's got to yell at me until I feel like you know I'm in tears and then I feel like I'm a good Christian because I cry right? or something like that. Okay, um, But again, freedom is only found through Jesus on the cross. Okay, When we uh, look all the way back at that, um, you know, that little uh, excerpt I read to you in the beginning where uh, you know, that girl saying, I understand Christianity is founded on the tenet that we are all guilty. That, that's totally backwards. Okay? What is Christianity based on? Right? As we say in this church all the time, the, the Christianity is based on the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. Right? The, Christianity is based not on condemnation, right? but it's based on the grace of God coming to save us from our worst sinfulness, right? the, the trash people that we are, right? all the wrongs that we've done. Right? That's the good news. So, like, she had Christianity totally upside down, and she totally misunderstood the whole thing. um, Let me end with this. Um, When we look at the relationship between Judas and Jesus, again, um, you know, look at this. This is this is a very peculiar thing. Jesus, when you when you see the things that Jesus is doing, he loves Judas. He and and and, and like you know, I, I just say that by the things I see. Right? When you look through John chapter 13. Uh, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, John writes in, in there, you know, now Jesus shows, showed the disciples the full extent of his love, right? And he washes his disciples' feet, right? Judas's foot was involved in that too, right? He washed Judas's feet, right? He wasn't like, I'm going to wash all 11, but Judas, you're the betrayer. Even though I chose you and I know you're going to betray me, I'm not going to wash your feet, okay? When they're at the Lord's table, or when they're at the Passover scene, okay, um, you know, we, we, you know, all see this picture, you know, we all read the story and, and see movies where Jesus, you know, dips the bread and gives it to Judas. Have you ever really thought about what that meant? I was thinking about that. It's like, what does that mean? Like, why did he do that? Okay. And, and as I was studying that, um, you know, they said in, um, in Hebrew tradition or, in, in, you know, in the Bible times and Jewish tradition, um, you know, this is, this is what people would do. They said, uh, but when the host would dip a, his piece of bread into the dish, and give the sop, they call it the sop, to someone, that was very, very significant. The host or master of the house would give the sop to the person whom he wanted to show his greatest love and esteem. In doing that, 
he would show to all those present and to the person receiving the sop the love and honor he had for him. Okay? And if that's true, right, how Jesus treated Judas was crazy. Right? It's crazy. Right? I, like, I don't have an answer to all this um, you know, predestination stuff. Okay? Some of you might be thinking in your mind, Judas had to do this. He was destined before the beginning of time to betray Jesus. Otherwise, we'd have no forgiveness of sins, and, and all this stuff would have been broken, and nothing would have worked. Okay? Uh, and, and we could talk about that later if you want. But, but this is my answer for you right now. Okay? All I know is that, um, you know, as, as uh, Pastor Susan was talking about last week, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was asking for this cup to be passed from him. Okay? So all I know is Jesus didn't act or pray like a fatalist. He didn't pray like, this is the all. All right, guys, let's just wait for Judas to come. There's no bother crying, praying. It's just going to happen. That's the way it is. That's all I know. All I know is Jesus lives life like people have choices. Okay? And he asks God, let this cup pass from me. Okay? And as I think about these things that are happening just in John chapter 13, right, I would not be surprised at all right, if, Jude, if Jesus prayed for Judas regularly and asked God, let this cup pass from Judas. Right? That's nowhere in the Bible. It's just my own opinion. Right? Take it for what it's worth. But I would not be surprised at all if that was the heart of Christ as well. Because right? that's the kind of God that Jesus is. Right? He loves everyone. His, his message is not condemnation. He did not come to this earth saying, 11 of you I love and one of you I hate. Right? But he spent time with all the disciples and no one knew who would betray him except for Jesus and Judas. Okay? His love was so amazing and so rich. So when we come to the cross, when we come to church, when we come to uh, this religion called Christianity, right, we cannot come and stop at the commands and at the laws and at the guilt. Right? But we must go to Jesus. Right? And this is where Judas failed. This is where he stopped. Right? He stopped at himself. He did not see Jesus for who he really was. Right? We need to see Christ for who he really is in our own lives, in, in the grace that he gives us, and receive it as people that are grateful right? and that are willing to just accept that love for what it is and, and without being able to understand or repay or do anything about it, just accept it. Because that is the love of Christ. That is the gospel that Christ desires for all of us to know and understand. Okay? This is Jesus' love for all of us. Okay, so when we play with this thing called guilt, right, it's, it, don't, don't condemn yourself and let it sit there. Right, again, guilt is a good thing. It brings us to right relationships, restores things we got to really bring it to the cross because right? Jesus is the final answer for guilt. Right? He's the final answer to how we can find freedom. Okay, So let's pray together. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, your love is amazing. God, it's, it's often hard for any of us to understand how you can love people like us. Um, though oftentimes we compare ourselves to the Dennis Rodmans of the world or to other people that we think are trash in this world. 
God, we are all trash before you, before your holiness, before your righteousness. God, we need you as our Savior. We need you to free us from our guilt, our shame. God, none of us is right before you. God, please help us to see that, God, and run towards your gospel, your good news, your grace, your love. Uh, Not be caught up in the laws, the rules, the rituals, uh, but be caught up in you. So please, God, uh, just hug us, love us, show us your ways. God, uh, we thank you uh, for your forgiveness. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name.